Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet X-Files stars David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, August 23rd through the 26th in Chicago, Illinois. Then meet Sons of Anarchy stars Ron Perlman and Ryan Hurst, September 7th through the 9th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Then meet Doctor Who stars Peter Capaldi and Pearl Mackey, September 21st through the 23rd in Austin, Texas. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDARE at checkout (laughs) to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, The internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con! Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. He's gonna take you back to. Hey, this is James Rolfe, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Suck ass, DVD angry, video game nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us this week, I guess I'm really excited about, I've been excited about, I met him at the uh, Korg Gaming Convention right here in Hilliard, Ohio, uh, just a gathering of uh, just just that, old video games of all uh, shapes and sizes. It was such a great time, but I met up with uh, Brett Weiss there, who is the author of the uh, SNES Omnibus Volume 1, A through M, on top of many other books. Thanks for being with us, Brett. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to uh, talk with you about these books, uh, but before we do that, in our retro roundtable, we're going to be looking at the first few years of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, this is something that's come up on the show quite a bit, and I think we've listed uh, a lot of our favorite games over the years. We've talked about favorite games and such, but not the experience as a whole. You know? Right, and and uh, I, I think I have some things I haven't mentioned before either, so uh, then in the comic vault, what do we have, guys? Got a little something called Beelzebub's. Ooh. Which sounds right uh, up your alley. Like, right, it yeah, just like overtly evil, but it's uh, <laughs> kind of a t- it's like <laughs> It's like a sitcom with black metal flavor, played up for laughs. Okay. It's like members of a horrific satanic band, just in their everyday lives. Like a pop, uh, what was the Adult Swim band, Metalocalypse? Yeah, it it's, it's sort of like that, vein? but a little more domestic. But okay. yeah, it's, it's very much in that in that same area. How about you, Jack? Metalocalypse, what a great name for a band. Oh, right? All right. <laughs> I mean, I can't beat it. Ultra <laughs> Shock Boom. Wow. Wow. You got me beat for best title. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty interesting title. That was my nickname. It's like school. It's like the word version of caffeine almost. <laughs> yeah, like, right. You know what I mean? Does that make sense what I no, said? No, I, yep. I got you. You on the board? Okay. A few of the titles we'll be talking about there. And then we're going to turn our full attention over to Brett to talk more about everything he has going on at brettweisswords.com. But before we do that, Jake. 
Canned Air is all about reaching you, the listener, in new and exciting ways, but also the same two ways, which is Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> so, well said. First, find us on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Canned Air Pod, easy enough to remember. And on Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air. Uh, like our things, retweet them, look at all the fun pictures and other stuff we have. Strike up a conversation. Feel free to talk to us. We're not we're not unapproachable. You know, we're not the president. We're not above <laughs> you in any way. <laughs> so please interface. And um, yeah, and if you like what we do, we are on Patreon. Throw a couple of bucks a month our way. Hit that five dollar or more mark, and you have access to the Founders Club Patreon exclusive podcast. And mm-hmm. if you are attending a Wizard World convention in the near future, be sure to use the promo code Canned Air. No space for a cool ten percent off. Furthermore, keep an eye out for our new What If series uh, coming out shortly-ish. October, hopefully. Yeah, we'll say October. It's going to be wonderful. We explore all kinds of uh, hypothetical scenarios and have a really great time doing it. It's been a blast so far. We're excited to share it. That we are. That we are. It's going to be a good time, and I I just can't wait. So uh, Very thorough. I don't have anything to tack on to that. Very (laughs) thorough. 100%. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Show me what you got. What you got? Grass tape bed. Boo, not cool. Disqualified. All right, guys. The first few years of the Super Nintendo, or excuse me, of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Let's start with Brett. Uh, This was uh, your idea. Our resident expert. I would say so. He's got to know more than we do, right? Well, maybe. Debatable. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So, personally, so just a little bit of personal history with the NES. So, when it it was test marketed in 1985, like in New York and select places, uh, I was down in Fort Worth, Texas, where I still live, and I had barely heard anything about it, you know, because it wasn't a full rollout you know the first year 86 it was uh rolled out in stores all over the country and um you know full release and everything i looked at it it looked cool didn't play it didn't know anybody that had one uh you know at that time i was let's see it was uh, 86 i was 19 years old i had uh i still had a ColecoVision and television atari 2600 uh hooked up to the uh tv in my uh room where I was still still lived at home um, so I had all that and I thought eh, this looks cool you know something interesting something different something new love video games but I was keeping plenty busy uh, mainly with the ColecoVision you know I had probably had 80 something games for the ColecoVision at the time you know it has a library of about 120 something or so of original titles and you know I was collecting for it I had been all along and, um, you know, scored a whole bunch of games uh, during the great video game crash of 83 and 84. So I had a lot of ColecoVision and Television and Atari 2600 games keeping me busy. I thought, eh, I can probably live without the NES for a while. And then um, I had always thought I had got one for the Christmas of 1986. But it turns out I was going through some photos a, a while back. And it was actually the Christmas of 1987. My brother actually got it for me. Uh, just the basic set, which was very cool. Came with Super Mario Brothers and um, Duck Hunt. Yeah, and Duck Hunt. And I was so I had never actually played Super Mario Brothers until I got my NES. I think you know I'm hitting 20 years old, and I'm you know doing other things, you know, going out and 
girlfriends, you know, bars, you know, all that fun stuff, uh, working, you know, um, so video games were at the forefront and already had, like I said, already had, you know, plenty of stuff to keep me busy. But when I got that NES, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is a surprise. This is amazing that my brother got me this and broke it open, played Super Mario Brothers, and it just blew my mind. And, you know, the, the very obvious things that blow your mind, you know, the, the secrets, the surprises, the open, relatively open worlds, you know, for the time, the... Uh, you know, the fact that it has an ending and a storyline and, you know, just incredible graphics for 19, you know, for the mid to late 80s. Sure. All amazing. But the actual, to me, the actual biggest leap forward was in the controller because every controller that came out before the NES had some significant problem. I mean, some of them were good, you know, some of them were okay, some of them weren't so good, but they all had some issue. Like the Atari 2600 joystick was a little stiff, yeah, uh, just had one button. The ColecoVision, a lot of people found that kind of clumsy. I happen to like it because that was my first system that I owned, but that was I'm kind of weird that way. With a big wheel on the bottom, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and the side buttons were, it. yeah, and the side buttons were kind of awkward to push. You know, made your thumb tired, and, and the the little stubby joystick a lot of people don't like, and the disc on the Intellivision, you know, that was kind of odd and couldn't turn corners or whatnot with certain you know certain games. But anyway, every controller before the NES controller had some overriding issue well the nes controller was absolutely a revelation you know just as far as ease of control and it just seems so mm -hmm. simple and obvious and i wasn't aware of the game and watch at the time you know what what, what it was inspired by uh that the nes controller was inspired by the little game and watch handhelds i didn't realize at the time because i never had any of those oh, or yeah. my, my friends didn't have those and so i was just blown away by the the, the control you had over the character so the nes controller combined with the uh, super mario brothers game you know, just the ease of control of Mario and how much he could do and places he could go and everything just just blew my mind. And so after that, <clears throat> you know, I quickly picked up, you know, Kari Warriors and Castlevania and Metroid and Legend of Zelda and just, you know, NES kept me, you know, plenty. And then Mario 3, obviously. Oh, my God, Mario 3. Yeah, that was a yeah. mind blower. Yes, and uh, so, yeah, so I was totally sold on the NES. What about you guys? What, what what's your earliest memories? You know, I I remember the NES being my dad's. Like that sure. was the thing that always stands out in my mind. I know that mm -hmm. sounds mundane, but so getting to play it was kind of a big deal. You'd be like, "Hey, do you want to play Nintendo?" And I'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" Obviously, not as a child. <laughs> sure. Like inwardly, I'd be losing my mind. So it was this very—it was a rare thing. It's not like he kept me away from it, but I'd have to wait to be invited to do it. And the first game I remember playing was Defender 2. And oh, yeah. that sticks out in my memory so much, mm. A, because I was terrible at it, and B, because it taught me Roman numerals. <laughs> I'm like, what is this, Defender 11? He's like, no, that's it's slow. I, I, it's a 2. Just don't well, worry just about think, it. If, it if, if it would have been known as its other name, Stargate, on the NES, you wouldn't have known your, num your Roman numerals, and you would have been dumber for playing it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it would have derailed my entire life, really. So that's thank right. God for Defender 2. But oh. yeah, and, and I remember we had the standard NES controllers and the big, giant joystick button combo thing almost looks like uh one of the arcade style fighting game controllers sure. so you had the nes uh, advantage that's the one yeah 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 and i used to play it mostly with that i think because i was young and not very dexterous and i couldn't quite figure it out the smart button or it's smart the smart bomb button was always sticky so you'd hit it and waste three bombs at once and 
That wasn't my fault. All right, I never made it far, but I like to think there's a little mechanical disadvantage at work there. Sure, blame the controller. That's that's I'm a just saying, <laughs> it, it happened. But that was that was a great game, and that really that influenced my interests for a long time. I remember all my drawings ended up being defenderish in some mm-hmm. way. You know, a ship flying in from one side, shooting at things from the other, and. Well, know. the NES it, advantages are really good controller depending on what game you're playing. Try it with Pac-Man sometime. It's amazing. Just if you've got like a table or a desk or something to set it on while you're playing Pac-Man, the NES advantage is excellent. I remember. Anyway, that go thing. ahead with your story. Used Sorry. It though. Yeah, just for that game. I don't know why. What about you, Jack? Never being into sports, playing and loving uh, Blades of Steel. Oh, great. I remember that. Even one. though I don't, it was a hockey game, and it was probably one of the first games that I ever had actual voice in the game. When you start it up, it'd be Birds of Steel. <laughs> and then when you when you pass to the other, you know, pass uh, the puck around, I still yeah. don't know what they say, but it sounds like they're saying, look for Paul. So <laughs> pretty much all you hear is, look, look for, for Paul, Paul, look for Paul, look for Paul, <laughs> while you're passing the puck. It's like in, uh, what was it, Street Fighter 2, when you get a perfect, it sounds like Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after playing that hockey game, almost... All the systems after, not so much getting into the newer generation like Xbox and stuff, but I always played hockey games. They're always fun. Yeah, dude, hockey games rule. There's mm-hmm. always like that really physical aspect. You got dudes smashing into each other. Half the newer ones, they've got like a little fist fight mini game kind of situation. Blades cool. of Steel had that too. If you'd sit there really? and run into the opponent so many times, they'd go into a fight sequence. They'd oh. throw the gloves, and then you always had to. You always wanted to beat the other guy's ass, but if you did, you get the penalty. So you you always had to lose every time. I remember that. Holy cow, because it was just them just like... Just like two little like eight bits like hitting each other, right? I mean, they're... Oh, my God, that was so funny. Good times. I do remember that. Blades of Steel was a great game. Did you also play uh, Double Dribble? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, because Blades of Steel and Double Dribble are still two of my favorite sports games of all time. I think my buddy would always play, and he'd be... What did that have license names in there, or am I thinking of Larry? No, Larry Bird. Oh, yeah, you're thinking of one on one, maybe one on one. But he'd always be Larry Bird and sit there and shoot three pointers and kill me every single time. He used to make me so mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember the one. And this isn't even a regular Nintendo game. It's Super Nintendo. But I never gravitated uh, towards sports games. But um, Bulls versus the Clippers, I think, was a game for the Super. Well, there was Nintendo. Bulls versus Blazers. That's what it was, Bulls versus yeah. Blazers. Thank you. That was mm-hmm. a fun game. That was an amazing game. It was yeah. so easy to play. It's weird to narrow it down to two teams like that. <laughs> I know. Well, they were, never, I don't know. They were in the champions. They were final. They were in the finals. <clears throat> they uh, were. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's really good teams. Yeah. And, and you had the Clyde day, the Glide. The Bulls, yeah, the Bulls were, were everywhere. Fucking everything. Mm-hmm. They were everything. Man, so many things I want to offer in my offering right here he said mario 3 and it made me think of uh getting that game you know i typically got things after they had already come out and been popular like the nintendo came out maybe three or four years before we got one i was like playing atari desperately wishing it would turn (laughs) into a nintendo but so you were a late adopter but not by choice right yeah and i think it was uh christmas 88 or 89 that i got mine and uh, it was it had world class track meet along with Doug Hunt and uh, Mario, but uh, anyway, I forget where I was going with this story. Oh, Super Mario Brothers three, it was one of those gifts. I like I've said on the show, like well, it looks like Santa 
You know, that's all he left you. Wait a minute, what's that over there? Yeah, <laughs> old Christmas story on yeah. it. Exactly. And then there was Super Mario Brothers three, and uh, I was the first time I was actually in on a trend while it was happening. You know, it was oh nice. That was fun. Made it to the yeah, because that came out in '89, so you'd have been right there on it. Yeah, I I got in right under the <laughs> door before it shut. <laughs> yeah, for nice. sure. Um, who remembers Skate or Die? As far oh, as regular man. Nintendo, yeah. awesome. that one had intro awesome. music. Yeah, skate, skate or die, 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 die. <laughs> That was like the cool kids game. Oh, yeah. like if you, you were, were anybody, like edgy and if popular, you were a badass who had a Nintendo, you had skate or die. I remember yeah, to play, yeah, you'd probably just die, but whatever. Well, that's all you did in the game was die. Yeah. I mean, unless you were an expert, right <laughs> off the bat. Remember the half pipe was just like it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that excite bike was fun. That's one that I couldn't stand. I don't know if it was something about. The, the way you jump and pull back, I just couldn't get those mechanics down right. I always roll the bike and mm, have to that's what made mash it fun, the buttons though. and run back to the bike and get back. That was the controller's start. fault, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, the game <laughs> the controller was never me. It was. It's kind of like the same thrill with Excite Bike that I think you get nowadays from like a Guitar Hero. Learning that synchronization of yeah. when to hit yeah. that button, when to ramp the proper way. Once you get it down, it's kind of a rhythm game. Oh, it's fun as fuck, man! It's yeah, I so loved Excite Bike. That was I love that game. Yeah, and you could create your own tracks. Oh, I didn't remember that. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was customizable. I mean, it's, had an edit edit option. There was only like a few different like layers you could jump up and down between. So like I'm imagining like what like little pits, hurdles, and ramps. Essentially yeah, you for- could move the ramps around and whatnot. It yeah. was cool. That's cool. Now, did you guys ever have the misfortune of playing Excite by 64 on the N64? No. You know, the, la- the cover of that, if I remember it correctly, was enough to keep me away. It looked horrible. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. You were it- smart. It was pretty bad. If it doesn't look good on the cover, you know <laughs> the shit inside isn't good, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right. You guys uh, remember, uh, I think it was called Mock Rider? Yeah. Huh? Kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like hang on. Yeah, you uh, you were a single. It almost had a post-apocalyptic vibe. You're single mother in a modern yeah. world. <laughs> One dude on a motorcycle <laughs> driving through the desert, machine guns yeah, mounted on your viewing bike. it from behind, kind of yeah. like yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, got a rear view mirror. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do right. remember that. It's Very, one of the black box games. It, it, it almost in the same kind of vein as uh, the graphics of like Doom or something. How it things would certainly approach, had that you know, feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not so much. It was the illusion of depth. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, kind of like Star Fox was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Where things just kind of grew until they were right yeah. up on you. <laughs> All right, Brett. We were back to you. Well, yeah. So the NES kept me a bitch for a long time. Got a pretty decent sized collection of those games, and I played. Uh, I'm not a huge role-playing game fan, and I like some of the action RPGs, but and I really like Legend of Zelda a lot. And um, I played it to the end, almost beat it. Um, but I have a, I had a weird quirk of listening to John John Denver's greatest hits while I played Legend of Zelda. <laughs> oh my. That sounds incredibly dorky and lame and like old and stupid, but man, for some reason it just went really well <laughs> together. I have no idea why, but hey, but yeah, it's our own. I know. <laughs> Really dug Zelda, and I really like the uh, arcade ports, like the old arcade ports for the NES. I I really like Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. and uh, the Donkey Kong Classics that came out with both of them on there. And huge fan of just the original non-scrolling Mario Brothers, one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a fun one. Yeah, Get some friends. So great. That ice level, though. Poof. 
and you can you can uh, cooperate if you want and just you get as can. far as you can, but you always end up sabotaging each other. Yeah, that's just more fun. Time. And you absolutely can't stop your younger sister from wasting the pow block <laughs> every single time. Right. There's no force on earth that just can prevent. Boom, it. boom, boom! It's gone. Yeah, it's like, oh, sweet. All right, guess we're doing this the uh, the hard way. <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, I really like Popeye a lot. And um, there's a phenomenal port of Bump and Jump. And Joust is really good on there. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, and Galaga, Demons of Death. For some reason, they put uh, they didn't figure the Galaga name was good enough, so they subtitled it Demons of Death. Jesus. I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. My parents would have let so, me have that one. No, absolutely right. no. Oh, no. God, no. Mine right. wouldn't have. That's too violent. Galaga, hell awaits you and Satan is Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are back to Jack or Jake. What do you got? Anything? You guys ever come across the uh, the sound test things in game? No. Like, I'm I know sorry? Contra, where you'd be able to listen to all the sound files of the game. Different sound effects, the music uh, and stuff. I know, like, on, like, PC games, I've been able to do that, but never in, like, a console game. I remember in Contra, I don't... I think I accidentally sat on the controller, and all of a sudden, like, a whole other menu screen popped up, <laughs> and it would go through the file names of all the sound effects. Seriously? And stuff. Yeah, hmm. that's cool. And then Could sometimes you, it, was, it was kind of hidden. You'd have to hit, like, control select, or select start at the same time. But uh, most of the time, I'd walk by and just have to step on the controller and hope. Maybe they just knew the music in this game was going to be so badass that you'd want a menu so you could just need play more. it in Maybe, the living yeah. room while you're doing whatever. Sit you there know? and put it up to your boombox and record it so you can <laughs> yeah. listen to it later on. Yeah. Did you guys know about the Konami code back then? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that. about it until way later. What, are we talking up, up, down, down, left, right, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, because I, when I first got Contra, I absolutely loved the game and was obsessed with it. I ended up beating the game uh, without any... You know, without even knowing about the code, very difficult. But I played it so much that I got pretty darn good at it. And that's probably one of my. Imagine it. I'm not. A, I mean, I'm pretty. I'm not like a great video game player, but I'm probably pretty good, just on average. And um, Contra was one I definitely mastered. But then I found out later, you know, a couple of years after that, that you could get extra lives. And I'm kind of glad I didn't know about that back in the day, or I probably wouldn't have bothered, you know, getting good enough to beat it without the extra lives. That means you're one of the elite to be able to beat right. without it, then. Yeah. One yeah. Five I just, people. That game in particular, I just played the heck out of it. Now, there's games I'm terrible at, like Defender and Spy Hunter and plenty of others, but for some reason, I had the touch for Contra. Huh. Such a fun game, but yeah, I can't even fathom getting through that without kids. I remember kids, it was like contests at kids in recess and stuff, and be like, what's Contra Code? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, start. And I never knew what it was until a while ago, or a while later, because parents wouldn't let me have video games. And then I finally got to find out it what was it was about. B- so you just played them when you went when you went to your friend's house. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah, that's how I ever Nintendo. played Contra. Yeah. And what I always hated is when you go to a friend's house and you take your games with you, and they'd want to play your shit. I'm like, no, we got to play your yeah. stuff. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Which made it horrible. I think that's one reason why I hated Mario so bad because. I'd go to my friends to play it, and I'd be Luigi, second player all the time. So they'd finish a level, it'd be my turn. I'd run, fall off, doot, 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 and then they got to play a whole other board yeah. after. So they'd clear <laughs> stuff, and I'd get to play nothing almost. Yeah. That's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> That's why you just trade games. Just right. say, take them home and do your thing. Well, Batman <laughs> Returns. Did you ever play that? I played it on Super Nintendo. 
on the original Nintendo. It was a hell of a game. There's a whole yeah, lot it really going is. On. It's great. Had all sorts of different weapons and gadgets. Your batarang, a rocket launching pistol, all sorts of stuff. The thing that's crazy about it though is that it's. Are you talking about Batman Return of the Joker? That's yeah, that's the one. Oh, Return of the Joker. Yeah, what's Batman okay, Returns yeah, is Batman Return of the Joker. About. Yeah, and it was like clearly not a Batman game until very late in the production. Like, you're fighting enemies that make no sense for Batman. Sure. Little spike-launching robots. I'm sure that's probably what happened to, like, the Turtle game, because you have so many, like, uh, chainsaw-wielding villains, a guy who's just completely on fire. Like, what the fuck? It's like, this doesn't seem right. And, uh, oh, I just remember it was an amazing game, and I was young and really stupid. Every time I think back, I was really stupid as a kid. Like, I had no common sense. And your life gauge was a little bat symbol that would deplete and then when it was almost gone you were nearly dead it would flash and i always assumed when i was young when it was flashing i was like oh i must be doing really well <laughs> <laughs> and then i'd die a second later i was like oh well guess we'll try again gotta get back to that flashing point <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a great game and uh batman was great too on the nes just regular batman was amazing too Oh, yeah, I never played uh, yeah, those, really. Remember. I think I maybe rented one of them at one point, but uh, as far as, like, long-term play, I never... Really well, they both so. have excellent graphics and still hold up gameplay-wise, for sure. I'll have to try it out. Great platformers. Yeah. I, I have some gamer buddies at work that are uh, talking about... They call it a Raspberry, Raspberry Pi. Pi. Yeah. yeah. Well, he they all have them at work, and the one dude just bought a Picade that he brought to work, which is like a table, tabletop arcade cabinet that it plugs into, and mm. just like any game you want on it. That's cool. It was pretty neat, but um, yeah, I imagine Batman would be one of the thousands of games on there, I would hope. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I have the ROM of it. I've got a bunch, like the whole library, I think, too, at home. Be- you better hold on to that shit, because ROM sites are getting shut the guy down. Shutting down. Getting shutting down. Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. yeah, they're getting shut down yeah, Nintendo's fast. cracking the whip. Because they want to be able to probably put them on the Switch. But yeah. Sell their classics. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Uh, well, one of my things I have here to mention uh, is Nintendo Power Magazine. It's oh, yeah. got to be one of my biggest uh, memories of Nintendo in those early days. You know, before I even had the Nintendo or even had the games I want, like I remember like running off copies of pictures at the library just to have something tangible of this game when I couldn't be playing it. Something I could read. Or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when these magazines came out, like, my God, not that I was in on the ground floor, but they were just everything. I took these things with me everywhere. Everywhere. And just between, you know, they had the trading cards in the back, which were awesome. Uh, what else was there? I think they had Pogs at one point. There was always artwork contest. Uh, Free posters. Posters, yes, the free posters. The so. game maps were always crazy. Oh, yeah, they yeah. were big, like centerfolds. I'd pull out. Yeah, like a just a lot board. going on. You I know? pulled out some of them here. Here's Jurassic Park. That's only half of the half of the. <laughs> that map. is awesome. And that stuff always blew me away on how they were able to get the whole map laid out like that. Yeah, it's incredible. It's really cool. But um, man, what a good time I had with them. And uh, <clears throat> I. You know, as awesome as you felt having them, because, like, you had insider knowledge. I remember we, my family and I were at, uh, it was Showbiz Pizza at the time. It would have been, I believe, either that or the early days of Chuck E. Cheese. <clears throat> we were playing games, and we were walking up to a, like, a foosball machine, and there was, like, $27, 28 some some weird number of dollars sitting there, unattended, unguarded. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and I was like, well, okay. And I kind of got my dad's attention. I was like, dude, look, there's money here. And so he's like, well, we'll see if anyone comes and claims it. And if not, then you can keep it. Nobody came. <laughs> so I claimed it. And, uh, you know, it's being been a pretty big I was bonus for dude. I was young, so let me see. This I got this book when it was new with that money that same night. And this I'm trying to look for a date in it. Excuse me, ninety two. Damn, nineteen ninety two. And um, I went across the street and bought this book, the ultimate uh, unauthorized Nintendo game classic game strategies. And not only does it have all the codes, but you know it walks you through pretty much every game you can think of. I mean, look at this thing. It looks like a, a pocket Bible, right? Yeah. yeah the, it's, the is that the one that's reddish? What's like that? The, is that the one that's red kind of around the edge and then on the spine and then yellow on the back? It's all white and it has like a oh, okay. blue there were monster several like dressed like a... It's got like laurel leaves and a toga. Yeah, playing a little harp. Oh, is that what that is? I thought he was holding a clock. No. He's eating it. Huh. Nope. But uh, yeah, it's amazing I felt how... like the shit with this book, like <laughs> Nintendo Power. <laughs> I have the guide. Well, there was a market for that back then, and it was a cool thing to have. And mm. now it's just pointless with the internet and sharing information. Not really. Now. I, you know, I have in the basement uh, set up the Retron with the. Well, I mean, modern old... games. Oh, there's no for reason. sure. Yeah. But for I that st- stuff, sure. This is the best five bucks I ever spent. Yeah. I still use this book to this day. Uh, it's awesome. Nice. But uh, anyway, Nintendo Power, the first issue came out in 1988. And by that time, I was 21. And I was thinking, you know, I grew up just reading the old magazines to pieces. And uh, the early 80s, I would stand around at the grocery store. You know, the the convenience stores, they'd kick you out for just standing around reading their magazines. But grocery stores, they didn't care at all. And um, so I would read electronic games, joystick, electronic finals, computers and games, and all those magazines in the early 80s. And then after the great uh, video game crash of 1983 and into 1984, shortly after that, you know, around 85, 86, 87, there was barely anything in the in the way of video game magazines. So if you look for reviews of the very first, uh, see, Nintendo Power didn't come out till 88. So if you're looking for, you know, vintage reviews of Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Brothers, uh, some of those, they're just not there, which is, it's a bizarre concept to think about now. Think about the biggest and best games of today not having any reviews at all, you know, virtually none. Yeah. And um, so that's the magazine market had crashed with the video game market. You know, there were not no longer any magazines. But then Nintendo brought all that back, and then there were several others that hopped on, back on board and, and on board for the first time. And so you had to – but I sort of – people in my age group sort of looked down at Nintendo Power, you know, as not a serious magazine or – um, maybe he thought it was biased too much towards Nintendo, which was probably true. But still, like you know, you look at those and they're so games. colorful. <laughs> yeah, Here's yeah, the exactly. Thing, they're, they're so colorful and have such high production values and so much, you know, strategy and maps and all that stuff. It is a great magazine. It's just, you know, I was being a snob at the time. <laughs> but you can't hardly be blamed because video games were not looked at and accepted by all ages then like they it's are very now. different yeah. time. Right. You know, they yeah. were a children's thing. So, of course, these things are going to be, you know, looking and marketed toward uh, children. But, my God, they were amazing. They, there was yeah. no way to shake off that stigma back then and, and no real need to, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Video games weren't trying to appeal to a massive market. They were doing all right, selling them to the people they were. I'm, I'm sitting here flipping through one. I just Mario see an All-Stars. ad for uh, Super yeah, Mario dude. All-Stars coming out that soon. That was my jam. Oh, me too. We we uh, we sent away and got it in the mail. Nice. 
But, uh, you know, I'm sitting here. This is a very, I don't remember what was on the original cover of this magazine as it's been ripped off since, but this magazine is showing the winners of the Mega Man Create the Bad Guy, where hmm. Fan Man and Night Man, I think it's Fan Man or Wind Man, huh. excuse me, Wind Man and Night Man were chosen. I think they were in Mega Man X then. I remember Wind Man. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I'm thinking of Air Man. Who also has a giant fan blade on his body? Yeah. yeah, but still. You know what? There's also a phone number here for. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call, call this phone number <laughs> for uh, <laughs> Nintendo Power subscriptions. Let's uh, let's see what see happens here us. really quick. Did nothing happen? Did I hit oh, something wrong? Shucks. Oh well. I'll 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 get it later. So did you guys ever call the game counselors? No, but that's the next number I was about to call. There's a game counselors number right here. Should I should I do it? Do it. I mean, the Now's first the one didn't work. Why? <laughs> hey, you know what? Here, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pull it go. up on my phone. I'll put it Sounds on speaker. Creepy. I think I always wanted to do it, but I never... I got in trouble with 976 numbers when I was a kid, so <laughs> I think <laughs> calling obscure numbers kind of... Yeah. I tried to stay away from them after that a makes while. makes sense. <laughs> Lay low for a while. Yeah. Zero nine zero zero. Okay, this is the Nintendo Power subscription line. Thank you for calling Nintendo. After 18 years and over 28 million calls, we have discontinued our live game counseling service. Aww, we want jerks. to thank our many fans who used our service throughout the years. Although we no longer offer live help, we have many options available for gameplay information. It's called internet. For online gameplay information, you may want to try our website at Nintendo.com. Not bloody likely. <laughs> okay, let's see what this other one says. I, I'm anxious for the game counselors more than anything. I can't believe it's actual working numbers, still. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Well, I wonder how they've... Only been gone within the past, what, 10 years? Is that right? Nintendo Power? That sounds about right. Yeah. So maybe it's only in its last few years before it disconnects and becomes a porn site or something. <laughs> okay, here comes game counseling. Oh. Uh, they must oh. be uh, busy talking to other people. <laughs> That's what it is. I can't get past the infinite forest. I can't or... get past the damn and Ninja Turtles. <laughs> maybe it's a different kind of counseling with it being oh. a... A disorder now. There's game. another one Nintendo here I'm going to try really quick. <laughs> it's not your phone. Nine, seven, one, four. Let's see what this one does. At the subscriber's request, this phone does not accept incoming calls. Message CA11958. That sounds like a code you could put in for something. Okay. Weird. Still with us, Brett? Yeah. I'm sorry to be boring you to death. Let's, <laughs> let's see what customer service says. That's probably just regular Nintendo customer service. We're about to find out. Oh. Hi. Thank you for calling Nintendo. We are experiencing a high volume of calls. And are... <laughs> All right. Curiosity <laughs> has been quenched. I'm sorry. Is your refrigerator running, Nintendo? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Nintendo Power Magazine and the, the game counselors, I guess they're kind of like uh, the, the Apple geniuses are now. Yeah. yeah. People you could call and get tips and tricks from. I remember getting a uh, VHS, and I know there were a series of them, VHS tapes in the mail for when like Mortal Kombat or Donkey Kong Country and those kind of games were coming out, where it was just like uh, you're getting a guided tour through yeah, Nintendo. I remember the Donkey Kong Country when I still see those like for sale at retro gaming conventions every once in a while. I've got two in the closet right here. And uh, just I remember, what was that, like 94, I think, 5, something like that? Donkey Kong Country, uh, something like 94, 95, I can't remember off the top of my head. 
and seeing uh, the the guys that just play the game day in and day out as their job to find bugs and what needs worked on, I just thought that could be in a game tester. Yeah, it was November of '94 is when Donkey Kong Country came out. What's that? November of '94 is when Donkey Kong Country came out, and okay, so I picked that leading up to that. Yeah, that that summer maybe. Speaking of that game, I bought that for myself for Christmas that year. That was an amazing game. Oh, yeah. They've all been solid games, like, all the way through. Even the Game Boy titles, surprisingly. I, I, yeah. Uh, I thought they were really good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anything else? You guys, I, damn, we are running a little long, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. No, I think that covers it for me. Okay. Very cool. Well, with that, we have T-shirts, people. We have mugs. We have wall clocks. <coughs> We've got floor mats. We've got coasters, koozies. We've got merchandise and a need to sell. In a need to sell and be stocking up in the warehouse, right? It's just going to start rotting if we don't move some product. <laughs> the price is so low, you'll think we've suffered brain damage. <laughs> Crazy Candares something something warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to society6.com forward slash pod if you want to rep our podcast in any way, shape, or form. Well, that's where you're going to do it. Again, t-shirts, mugs, decals are about the coolest yeah, thing, I, I think. So. The, the t-shirts are pretty cool, but... Uh, the decals are awesome. The can coolers are kind of cool. It's not the old foamy can koozie. It's a little actual like cup that you put the can in and mm. keeps it cool still. But It's a can for your can. Yep. Can a can dare can, 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 can for can. A can for the can. The can, can from Candare. Society6.com forward slash Candare pod. Go get some of that tasty much. All right. Let's swing open the door to the comic vault. Gentlemen, who would like to go first? I'll, I'll go Jack since you haven't been, been here in a while. Yeah. Mine I actually found on Facebook as a best of Kickstarter. So I haven't read it yet, but I am wanting to read it a lot. And it is Ultra Shock Boom. It's about a kid named Adam Boom that gets... He's a nerdy kid, teenager. Gets somehow shocked. Gets all of a sudden these electrical powers where he can manipulate electricity to do his bidding. And all of a sudden, some other people with the same kind of power, I guess kind of get word of him and I guess they're kind of villain-esque so he has to decide how to be a superhero using his powers but what sold it on me on it is the artwork and it reminds me of kind of the gorillas when they first came out oh bit. yeah sure does because he reminds me a lot of like how oh, 2D yeah. was drawn I definitely there. see that but it is going until shoot I didn't even think about looking at that well, it's got 24 days to go, so about the middle of September, and it's about halfway backed. And the colorist and illustrator, they've done a lot of stuff for DC and Marvel. Cool. And I don't have their Twitter handles, but we'll have that once the show posts. But Ultra Shock Boom looks freaking awesome. It, it looks sweet, but I think the main thing I'm taking away from this is that you said manipulate. <laughs> did I say manipulate? <laughs> no, you Man- did. Manipulate. 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 Manipulate energy. No, that looked, uh, that artwork was crazy good. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, it definitely looked like the gorillas. Uh, yeah. I mean, not like it's not line for line or, yeah. or anything, but uh, I saw if you dig that style, style this yeah. will very much be in yeah. that range. For that sure. And, like, being a big fan of the Flash, he got his power from lightning. Lightning is pretty cool. Obscure power, I guess. Anyway, I've always been a huge a fan of, of lightning. Yep. Same. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like very to good. watch it outside during storms. And <laughs> loud noises. All right, Brett. Would you like to go next? I, I uh, read well, your email. A- you said you were a comic book store owner. Yeah. My God. 
Yeah, during the early 1990s, my brother-in-law and I went into business, and we opened a comic book store in a suburb of Fort Worth, Texas, and then we opened another one in South Fort Worth, and we did that for a while until we, shall we say, saw things differently, and he, put it nicely, he, uh, we parted ways, and our friends to this day, but uh, we sort of had some different ideas about the business, so we agreed not to be in business anymore. But uh, for three or four years there, it was amazing. We had Adam West uh, sign autographs in our store one time, and oh, wow. that was really exciting. And uh, we were part of the Marvel Mega Tour, where uh, Marvel picked out five comic book stores in North Texas to uh, represent Marvel in this big convention where it was just us and four other stores, and we were in that. And but not before that, uh, I had dinner with Clive Barker and Stan Lee, my, my uh, future wife and I had. Uh, so it was amazing, just this Mexican restaurant and in the area, and uh, so yeah, that was super cool. It was it was it was a fun time, you know. We were comic book store owners, sort of during the boom of the early '90s, the speculating boom, which was both super cool and kind of annoying because you'd have people coming in, baseball card dealers wanting to buy number one issues, and then you had readers coming in, kind of annoyed by all that, you know, wanting Sandman, and and that was the cool cool aspect of it. Right. Uh, but anyway, so it's interesting that you mentioned The Flash because what I had in mind for a comic book story that stands out in my mind is uh, The Crisis on Infinite Earth, which is when the Flash, Barry Allen Flash, died. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was very traumatic to me because I grew up uh, Barry Allen being my favorite comic book hero because uh, – as a kid, I uh, didn't didn't have much money, and um, so those subscription ads and comic books always were always tantalizing. I mean, I would pick up comics here and there, like at the thrift store, or Half Brass Books, or something. But I wanted to subscribe and get my you know my own uh, comic book each month in the mail of a series. Batman and Superman each had multiple titles, so I wasn't going to do that. Um, Green Lantern, I strongly considered. Firestorm was cool. Uh, Wonder Woman was a girl book, so I wasn't going to do that, <laughs> at least in my in my young mind. So I subscribed to The Flash, and um, you know, because I remember he was—I thought he was cool on a few. He was on a few episodes of The Super Friends and stuff like that, and uh, seen him in Brave and the Bold, things like that. And uh, so I subscribed to The Flash, and he became my favorite uh, comic to this day, my favorite uh, comic book character of all time. And so, of course. In 1985-86, when Crisis on Infinite Earths ran, and you know the DC universe was mostly wiped out and sort of started back from scratch, part of the uh, the uh, fallout from that was the Flash, you know, sacrificing his life to save the world and all that, and he he died and everything, and and you know, like I just figured he would come back, you know, in two months or six <laughs> months or something, but. He stayed dead for 20-something years or whatever, and, of course, Wally West took his place and became the Flash and all that, the former kid Flash, but just the Flash dying. I was glad he went on a noble death. It wasn't like Captain Kirk dying on a bridge or something. It was, uh, you know, a noble death, so that, that was something. But uh, that time was kind of rough, you know, because he just had the uh, crash of the video game industry and the ColecoVision getting discontinued, and then they killed my favorite uh, comic book character, so... <laughs> Tough times for a young man as myself, but still a great series, Crisis. Very dramatic and affected the whole universe and everything, and that was pretty novel at the time. Now they have, you know, big epic uh, crossover series all the time, and it's expected to fill graphic novels and to, you know, keep, you know, artificially inflate the sales and everything. But back then, you know, a big epic mega series like that was very much uh, 
you know, very, uh, very unusual. Were you excited when uh, Rebirth came out and they brought Barry back? I was. Uh, that was pretty exciting. And, you know, a lot of time had passed and I wasn't a kid anymore, so it wasn't quite the thrill it would have right. been if they would have just brought him back, you know, a year later. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still cool. And I like uh, uh, I thought it was cool. So, yeah, Barry Allen all the way. And you, when you say he stayed dead for 22 years, you mean like 20, 20 something years? I can't remember. Like hours, just, years, or just in the in the story? No, no. I mean, yeah, he was gone. For yeah, him. for real, he was gone for at least a couple of decades. They just did not bring Barry Allen back, and uh, at all, yeah, in, in real time. And uh, you know, Wally West, that series was really interesting because they reduced his powers. He had to eat a lot to uh, to maintain the energy to do all that running, and um, it was very. The first, uh, you know, f- few years of that title were very uh, grounded in just day-to-day reality, and he was mu- very much a reduced character. He had a little bit of an attitude, you know, and he wanted to he'd get paid for, you know, his superheroics. So it was a very different take, and it was kind of interesting in that respect. But uh, still, I wanted to, yeah, I thought they could easily bring back uh, Barry Allen and just having, you know, they could have two Flash titles, just like they had two, two or three Supermans and two Batmans and, More like you know, ten Batmans. Yeah, now nowadays. Yeah, now right. so. No, yeah, so they took their time bringing him back for sure, and that's damn admirable, if you ask me. Keep, it, keep that character going for so long, and it shows a great deal of restraint. Yeah, you know, because I mean, in that time, we've seen what of the Flash. I mean, several. You know, we have had the Justice League. You know, the, the Bruce Tim uh, cartoons, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there have been the DC movies, uh, the straight to video movies. Uh, mm-hmm. What else? There was the TV show, the TV show back in the nineties, and the new show. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's the same that that original show only lasted uh, one season because I really liked it. I mean, it was kind of a – they didn't really know what to do with The Flash. It was kind of a police procedural procedural mixed with sort of the Batman aesthetic, the Tim Burton Batman aesthetic. But it was still a good show, and I think if they would have gone one more season, they would have had more – more of the costume villains, and they were actually going to release a toy line and everything, and then – it got canceled, unfortunately, so that was a bummer. But uh, I was super excited when the new show came, especially that first season. Mm-hmm. And there was a scene where he's running around that tornado to uh, neutralize it. And, man, I just got goosebumps because it reminded me of when I was a kid reading uh, Carmen Infantino Flash comics, you know, with that great art and stuff. So that was super cool. Well, I remember about that original uh, show is, one, the effect of his running always kind of irritated me. Even, like, as a child, I was cut off by it. But his outfit had kind of like a fuzzy, like, plush look to it. It was like felt look to it, yeah. Very felty, yeah. yeah. And I was... Looked too soft. It did. Well, it was real soft, but also super muscular. And, you know, the Flash really should... The Flash should have a runner's body because he's a runner, and that's how... He was originally created, you know, to, to to be thin like a runner. And so it didn't really make sense for him to be all bulky and muscly. But it's definitely a Batman, Tim Burton Batman influence yeah. on the costume, and the look of the like show. Linebacker. No one bats an eye. But, you know. It looked mm-hmm. like he could almost turn his head inside of the mask. Like it was like so <laughs> oversized just and just it. ridiculously mm-hmm. muscular. But, uh, yeah, I remember seeing ad, ads for that during A-Team. It always goes back to fucking eighteen, yeah, right? Man. It's yep. I think they 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 shared uh, airwaves. I think weren't they only around the same time? I yeah. don't remember. Dude, the A team is the black hole at the center of our galaxy. Its oh. gravity extends. <laughs> to... It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You an A team fan? Just uh, out of curiosity, there, Brett? Yeah, 
Well said. What? <laughs> uh, well, I thought you said I thought you were going to finish the sentence. I didn't hear what you said. Oh no! I just asked if you were a, a team fan. Oh uh, yeah, uh, in the in the I mean, are, you, are we talking the original like Mr. T? Or are we yeah. talking a team? Like yeah, so sure. Yeah, I thought it was a cool show. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't like, yeah. I didn't feel like I had to watch it every week, but uh, when I was a kid, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, same here. I, I was I was religious on that. <laughs> All right, Jake, we are over to you, sir. I got a little something. Let me uh, show you the art so you get a feel for what I'm talking about when I say the domestic life of black metal band members. This is what they look like. Oh, With wow. the corpse paint and smudged black mascara. It's kind of like a reverse okay. Deadpool almost. Yeah, yeah. The wife has an inverted cross on her forehead, but they just go about these normal everyday situations with a, a little bit of heavy metal flavor to it. And here they are retelling the story of how they met. And the wife says about the uh, husband, it was love at first sight, really. His eyes lit me up like the eternal flames of hell. (laughs) Just look at that blank dead stare. Isn't he to die for? A perfect ten. And he replies with, and you are a solid six. And she's like, what? He's like, a six, six, six. Oh, "Oh, you. (laughs) Sounds like the Adams family. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's in that vein, but with Mm -hmm. a little more of a modern touch. And then in this next panel, which I love, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, black metal bands, if their band photo shoot isn't in the depths of some forest, they're not a real black metal band. (laughs) (laughs) That's where all the evil shit is, right? If the carpentry nails on your leather bracers haven't scraped some bark somewhere, you're not trying hard enough. (laughs) So here we've got the father leading his son out into the forest, who's saying, can't we just take the pictures and go home? He's like, shush, I know the perfect location. Admit it, we're lost, aren't we? He's like, no, no, it should be right here. And they find this tree, and slumped against it is the skeletal corpse of a man in a black leather jacket with spikes. And he's like, oh, that's not good, is it? (laughs) It's just (laughs) clearly other black metal bands have died getting lost in these woods. But uh, it's fantastic. Created by a guy named, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to ruin his last name because he's Finnish, but J.P. Ahonen, A-H-O-N-E-N. And from an outsider's perspective... It seems like in Finland, metal isn't even counterculture. It's just like apple pie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's norm- mainstream. Yeah, yeah, as fuck. yeah, yeah. it's pretty standard for them. So it's it's nice to see someone who's obviously in tune with that whole <laughs> angle creating this material. And it's my understanding he's got a musical album coming out, which I am all for. So yeah, something to look out. Let me Beelzebub's B E L Z E B U B S eschewing the the traditional second E at the beginning of Beelzebub, but I mean, who am I to judge? <laughs> but yeah, good. it's cool as hell. I loved it. Good. You got, you always pick good stuff. Well, how I do you it? You always yeah. pick good stuff. Hey, well, thanks. All right. <laughs> I just do it to get that voice out of you. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> I don't need much convincing. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So uh, I am giving my entry to the Comic Vault this week over uh, to some people who reached out via email. Uh, Peter, how would you pronounce this last name, Jake? I would say uh, Troya. Troya. Okay, I think that's kind of what we were thinking. So uh, Peter Troya reached out to me about a comic that he and his son are doing. Uh, His son's name is Gabriel by the name of uh, Odds and Evens. It's currently funding on Kickstarter uh, until September 14th. (laughs) And uh, Gabriel, his son, is only 12 years old. He's been oh, okay. uh, thinking this up or designing this world and these characters since he was nine years old. And, uh, you know, I approached his father, said, I really want to do this book. And his dad said, okay, you know, let's do it. What a, what a great 
father-son activity. It's a yeah, perfect bonding activity. Wasn't Gabriel, he was wanting to hold off until, or his dad was wanting to hold off until he was older or something like that? But he Maybe suggested to, it, but they decided to uh, go ahead and shoot for it now. And why not? I mean, yeah. you know, at uh, that young age to start in on this kind of yeah. business, you know, it's got to be a leg up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, from... It's kind of vague on what the story entails exactly, but it looks like there are four super-powered kids here. One, uh, I don't see their names here, it says one of them wields the power of animals often associated with Halloween. I'll take Uh, it. Right, right. Uh, Then another, she's expertly skilled in a variety of different unarmed combat styles and weaponry. Very practical. I will take that as well. Another kid. He can shoot rays of blue light from the palm of his hands and has limited ability to fly. You can't go wrong with that power. <laughs> Who wants too much? Limited, yeah. <laughs> Who wants too much power? And then last but not least, he grows a gigantic toasty that he wields as a club. Not sure what the toasty is. But it's club-like for certain. Maybe he is last because he is least, but I, I can't <laughs> say for sure. It's like a giant Cheeto. It, or a carrot, maybe. I, I'm going with carrot. That's what it looks like in the picture, yeah. I'm going to say carrot. But uh, it looks like a lot of fun. Either way, I'd imagine he kicks some ass with it, so. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, The Kickstarter's doing really well. Who do we have on board here? We have writer Mike Bullock. Uh, We have illustrator Fernando. How would you pronounce that? Panish. Panish. And then uh, lettering and production by Josh uh, Aikens. Aikens, excuse me. There's no S on that. Aiken. Aiken. We are horrible with Man. names. At least I'm horrible <laughs> with names. You're kind of like my name interpreter. I'm glad you're I, here. I do what I can. You got mine right. That's all that really mattered. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it true, Brett? I but know phonetics. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't uh, give this space to anybody unless I think uh, you know they really deserved it. And this is a this one's going places. Yeah, it looks like it is. It looks like it's very well done. I don't think they're you know just trying to put something out to humorous kid. You right. know they're. Really working on uh, something good here. And it looks like they're on track to meet their goal as well. 24 days to go, and they're four-fifths of the way there. Uh, yeah, yep. less than a grand uh, left to go. Guys, you are definitely going to make your goal. I mean, <laughs> not that I can put any kind of seal of uh, for surety on this, but uh, just based on the trends we've seen. Do you hear that? Jeremy personally guarantees you're going to make your goal. <laughs> I will sell my car and make up the difference if you don't. No. I, I disregard that it's last not statement. Legally binding. No, 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 no. It's not. But uh, yeah, a little. Want to give them a premature congratulations on this? I knew yeah. you're premature congratulations. Because <laughs> it looks like they are going to make their goal. And but, um, but yeah, it's not too late to head over there. A lot of good rewards, um, digital, and it looks like hard copies of the book. There's a video you can check out that I think shows a little bit more about the book. Um, yeah, check it out. Gabriel, say it again, Troyes. Troya. Gabriel Troyes, Odds and Evens. On That's Kickstarter. Odds N, like the letter, Evens. Thank and you. I think that bears mentioning. Yeah, probably when searching, it case. probably helps. Yeah. All right. Very good. So check it out. And with that behind us, let's turn our attention over to Brett and talk about everything he has going on at BrettWeissWords.com. Brett, I want to thanks, uh, thank you again for being here with us. And again, I'm so excited to talk about this uh, SNES Omnibus. Uh, I got to hold a copy in my hands when I met you at that convention, and it was just... It, the production, the quality of a book goes one hell of a long way. We've uh, heard it, many a tale of how gorgeous this book is. 
Yeah, oh, I've, I've been gushing yeah, about it. But I mean, today that's especially important. I mean, with the internet and everything, a lot of people say, "Well, I don't really want to lug a book around, or I don't really feel the need for a book when I can just have something on Kindle or whatever." So it's really important uh, these days if you're going to do something like this to do it right. And so I went through Schiffer Publishing as my publisher. They also published my. Uh, I've got a book called the one. <clears throat> excuse me. The 100 Greatest Console Video Games, 1977 through 1987. That takes you from the Atari 2600 up through the first three years of the NES. And I thought they did such a good job on that, that when it came time to uh, work on the Super Nintendo book, I wanted to go through them as well. Because, yeah, they really did a spectacular job with production, with the images. You know, it was my responsibility to get the images and uh, to round those up. But I submitted those, and they did a really good job, I thought, of arranging them and you know, with the binding and the high glossy paper. And there's even a, it's my first book to actually have a dust jacket like that on it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm real happy with uh, how it turned out. Was the, if I remember correctly, wasn't there like a gloss spotting on the front of it too? Like it was just a yeah solid. Yeah. It's kind of bumpy on the front Yeah, <laughs> to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so kind of finish on a book. Oh yeah. Man. So sold. Yeah. Spectacular production on that, and I'm I'm really proud of that, and I'm really happy for all the contributors to the book. So for the first time, um, this is my ninth book, and for the first time, I reached out to uh, people in the gaming community, and not just not just I mean, you know, there are fan perspectives, and those are valid. But what I did is I, I reached out to industry people, so programmers, developers. Um, YouTubers, game store owners, game store convention organizers, uh, authors, people like that. Um, and what they did was contribute uh, nostalgic stories to the book. And so what I did was, so for the, it's the Super Nintendo, the SNES Omnibus, and it's volume one, A through M. And so what I did was I, I wrote a thorough description of every game and critiques of the ones I'd played a lot. And the contributing writers, uh, People like Blake Harris and um, Steve Woita, he used to program for the Genesis and the Atari 2600. Uh, you've got Tim Labatino, who wrote The Art of Atari. You've got some really popular YouTubers, things like, like Sean Long and some people like that. Um, so they contributed these nostalgic stories for uh, so probably about half of the games in them have like a story about someone growing up playing the game, someone getting the game at Blockbuster, uh, all night, you know, multiplayer contest. Uh, there's stories of uh, people wrote about, you know, playing a game that helped them get through a grieving process after a loved one died, you know, all the way from that, all the way up to, you know, just crazy stories of how one John Riggs, who has a pretty popular YouTube channel, wrote about the most violent video game of all time, Mario Paint. And that was a really funny story of, of, of some of the images and animations he did with that game. So, so yeah, it's... Uh, you know the, the the structure of the book. The, the the basics are the descriptions of each game. So you've got you know you can flip through and find out what each game, you know what genre it is, how it plays, what you do in the game, and all that. But the color, so to speak, of the book, you know, it's full color throughout. But metaphorically speaking, the color comes from the contributing writers who who really added just just really vivid stories and imagery of, of, of what it was like gaming in the 90s, what it was like going to Blockbuster and Toys R Us and lugging cartridges over to your friend's house, riding your bike around and getting games at pawn shops, things like that. So it's, it's a lot of fun to read. It was a blast editing all those stories that came in. 
That's awesome having all those different perspectives on the same subject. You know, hit it from everywhere. Yeah, you've got uh, you've got people of all diff- you know people different races. There's plenty of female writers that contributed. You've got different ages, people that pl- discovered the games later. You've got you know some of the you know people you know. So yeah, you've got all all over the place, different backgrounds, different uh, you know people coming at it from from all perspectives. Really, really, really good stuff. Keeps the bias low. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and if you've got that many stories, you said for about half the games. Yeah, so the there's there's over 350 games because it's half the that NES library. Be my next question. That's and so yeah, there's stories. over there's over 350, and uh, there's probably around there's 79 contributors, and some of them did multiple stories, and so there's about around half or so of the games have nostalgic stories, and some of the bigger titles like Donkey Kong Country and uh, Zelda Link to the Past have multiple stories, you know, so it was, uh, uh, you got really, really fun to read. I mean, it was just a blast going through and editing and, and just seeing all these stories. So I was, I was really excited for it to come out and I'm, I'm really proud of the production quality because some of these people, you know, they had written for websites or they were YouTubers or whatever, but it was their first time in print and they were really excited, you know, to have their, their work in such a nice, uh, volume. So I'm, I'm happy for them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would be flattered myself, I mean, to be in uh, this book. And I have to imagine your previous books have the same uh, quality and uh, content inside. I mean, it, it, it reminds me, and I hope you don't take offense to this, but like, like a coffee table kind of book. Is that... No, that's exactly... Uh, it's it's a 9 by 12, so it's massive. And so, yeah, I hope people have it on their coffee table, and then when friends come over, they can flip through it, and exactly. it's just a good conversation piece. Or, yeah, I'm... I'm Hopefully they'll have it out on the coffee table, and then they'll spill coffee on it, and then they'll have to buy another one. So, yeah, <laughs> put it That's on the coffee table. Scheme. <laughs> Makes Absolutely, the cover a little yeah. uneven, so any coffee cup will just <laughs> yeah. automatically fall over on it. That's what the raised texture is for. Yeah, there it is. There and it so is. this, so the new issue of Game Informer just came out, and I think just it's just barely been released. But somebody sent me on Facebook. Uh, they have a fall reading guide, and the SNES Omnibus is very prominently just featured in it. So that was that's exciting. I'll be. I get that. I'll have to look for it. Hmm? I get that magazine, so I have to look for it. Yeah, and I, I had accidentally let my subscription uh, lapse, so I don't have it. But they're going to send me one, so that's really cool. So that's pretty exciting. It's nice to get some real estate and estate and game informer because there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, I'm semi sort of well known in the retro gaming industry but you know 99% of Game Informer readers have no clue who I am so it's you know it's hard for me to get you know since I don't have like a you know I'm not like a YouTuber with you know half a million subscribers or whatever it's tough to get the word out on some of these books and you know gamers I'm a smart group of people but they're not necessarily you know printed into printed matter that much you know Sometimes I feel like I'm writing books for video games is like, you know, building a bicycle for a fish. You know, it's just not it's kind of an awkward <laughs> fit sometimes. But with such a glossy volume like this and, you know, with such nice big pictures and everything, it's it's really doing well. It's selling well and it's it's had amazing reviews so far. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. Well, I mean, you know, we're in the age of nostalgia. I mean, it's it's it's, it's huge. That's true. Yeah. Connoisseurs yeah. will take advantage versus the the streamers. Yeah, <laughs> and the farther we get away from these, you know, the the age of the original video game consoles that have inspired what we have today, you know, these 
cartridges. I mean, of course, we have emulators and we have different ways we can still play these games yeah. aside from the original cartridge. But there's a, there's an experience lost. It's there. true, right? You know what I mean. Emulators like, aren't always the exact either. There's always going to be something just a little bit. I equate it to it. like the, the 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 digital age of music. You know, as as convenient as that is, how you can just get any song you want, make a playlist you want. You miss out on an album experience. You yeah. miss out on being forced to listen to, you know, twelve songs surrounded by the one you bought the CD for, mm-hmm. and then find hidden, hidden gems. You know, and you know, even beyond that, I this is dorky, and, but I'm I'm big into ritual. You know, yeah. I like the process of doing a thing. Something about taking a cartridge out, mm-hmm. making sure everything's clean, putting the next cartridge in, you press it down, you lower the little flap. You, that whole, all that time you're getting like jazzed up for the game. You know, sure. there's, there's a psychological element. that There's none of that ramp up. It's just, oh, here it is. It's, it's that's really cool. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's document, it's preservation. It's, it's how would you, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me here. It's uh, it, it's, it's documentation and preservation of things that I are not he, going yeah, to I mean, last I, forever and and archiving. Preservation. Thank you. That's what I was. One thing for. about the uh, SNES Omnibus, um, it's got a picture of every single box and every single cartridge. So yeah, it's the and only that's one just, that's going to have both. That, that's and every game has at least one full page. My head, I had approached the publisher, you know, with about one book, just the whatever I was going to call it back then, and. He, uh, the, the actual publisher of the company, uh, I talked to him for probably about 45 minutes just during the planning stages, and he actually recommended putting it into two volumes so each game could get a full page instead of just, you know, just a, a third of a page or half a page or just some little, you know, sliver mention or whatever. So each game is fully covered. So I was really glad he, he I, I thought on it a little bit. I thought, well, will people be willing to buy two volumes? But it, it was really important to me to, you know, highlight every game and have plenty of story around each game, especially for the yeah. the con- contributing writers. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. so they went with two volumes, and I'm really glad about that. And you know the people who bought the first one are going to be coming back for the second. I right, mean, right. For sure. Oh, but... yeah, a lot of people are really pumped about the second one because of all the super titles. I mean, there's yeah, so many. The S's, you, yeah, I didn't of... even think about that. Yeah. So yeah, then, so the next book is going to be thicker than this one, more words, etc. But it's going to cost the same forty, you know, fifty bucks. Which, and, um, looking at this book, is a great yeah. bargain. That's a bargain. I mean, it's you're getting price. your money's worth. It's like well, having was, a that, SNES museum in your hands. Yeah, you know? yeah, and th- that's one thing about going with a, a pretty, pretty substantial publisher like Schiffer is they can, you know, it's a big company. They print a lot of copies, so you can get a very affordable book for for the production value. And um, also, it'll be in Barnes & Noble, which is nice. Oh, wow, nice. Very nice. Yeah, for sure. Not sure if it'll be in GameStop yet. I think it'd be a good fit, but who knows? Their their book selections are very limited, and who knows what their buyers are thinking, but hopefully it'll be in GameStop, too. might be getting to be limited, too. I think uh, GameStop's (laughs) on their way out, unfortunately. I haven't been in there in a while, but I... um, (laughs) I hadn't been in there in a while is what I meant to say. And when I stopped in there, I had seen they're kind of undergoing the same kind of change like FYE was going where they're filling their store with like Spencer's kind of shit. Yeah, Uh, it's a shame. So, yeah, that's that's a sign. That's I can't remember the last time I went in there and found something that I could only get there. You know, well, I think if they would have hired some experts that truly knew retro gaming 
and made sure they had one at each store and, and some at the top that if they would, instead of going the route of Spencer's gifts, if they would have gone full fledged with retro gaming and considered the box and the manual as being worth something and, and making sure they didn't, they could weed out repros and all that. I think if they would have truly gotten someone that knew they could have absolutely made a killing on, on NES, super NES Genesis and N64. I mean, they, they're, but they're, you know, corporate. Uh, you know, I know they got into retro with online, you know, with their website and everything. But if I think, they, I think they, if they would have outfitted, you know, truly gotten people that knew what they were doing, and outfitted other stores with a good selection of retro games, I think that would have, who knows, maybe that's naive or just fan talking. But I think that might have. Well, I remember who back, knows. back in the day. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they did have retro games. You know, they. Right. On top of the walls having new stuff, they had little bins and racks in the middles that had your regular Nintendo, Super Nintendo, mm-hmm. Atari, and um, what else? Well, I mean, cases like, had Game Boy stuff. All yeah, they always had Game Boy. It, even when the Dreamcast era, they still had NES stuff. There was a store right down the road from me here, uh, Warp Zone, and they, I think, primarily deal in like Japanese import games, but they, I mean, they or just the exact setup of like retro games like we were just talking the whole long case with the Game Boy mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. it has to be like a comic book store just for just for video games where you kind of have long boxes full of the old comics yeah. then you got the cases full of the old games it would just I wonder I don't know how if it's profitable enough though to keep their numbers where they want them to who knows yeah, yeah it might be too much of a niche market but I think if they would have done it right it's possible oh no doubt especially and then nowadays. you have the you have the retro t-shirt you know you have to supplement it with some merchandise you know like t-shirts and things but not just all the mounds of pop figures and stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's what it was too there was a wall packed full of pop figures yep. poor game stop keep you in our prayers right uh, brett uh is there anywhere else uh, we ought to be directing people do you have a twitter handle by chance i do but actually the very best way to find me is just go to brettweisswords.com b-r-e-t-t-w-e-i-s-s words.com I can't even I can't ever remember. But if you just go there, there's links to my Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. Twitter is like at uh, Brett Wise CHVG. Gotcha. All right, all right. Well, we were going to be putting links up to help people drive. Uh, excuse me, to help drive people uh, toward the book. Check it out. My God, if you are into gaming, I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> it's such a awesome. It's I so appreciate gorgeous. it. No, we appreciate you being here, Brett. And uh, please stay in touch. Let us know when that volume two is about to come out. We'll get you back on. Right now, it's set for spring of next year, so that sounds like a plan. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Cool. Just mark the schedule mm-hmm. right now. Very good. Jack, what All right, do we thanks, have on... guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com, or you can check out our special guests, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, see some of our YouTube videos, buy some merch, send us a comment if you like us, or... Otherwise, <laughs> just comment. <Either> yeah. <laughs> and don't forget that uh, on Twitter and Facebook, we are at Canned Air Pod. And on Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air. Easy enough to remember. We didn't change it up too much. Uh, so like what we do, and we'll like you. It's a very simple process. 
also, I like the way that rolls off yeah, of your right? tongue and into your heart. Like for life. <laughs> yeah. That's the plan for Yeah, us. that was gorgeous, <laughs> yeah. Jake. And uh, <laughs> if you like us that much, head on over to Patreon, throw a couple of bucks a month our way. It goes much further than you'd expect. Hit that $5 mark. You are part of the Founders Club. Enjoy the Patreon-exclusive podcast. And use our promo code, CANDAIR, at checkout if you're going to a Wizard World convention for 10% off your purchase. I like the way you talk. Not the first time I've heard that. Thank you. <laughs> you got a purdy mouth. No. <laughs> Less stoked about that one. <laughs> I feel like there's something we're forgetting to announce. What if? What if? Yes, coming October. I can't blow on that horn enough. <laughs> yes. The what if wagon is rolling into town uh, come, come October. And what I mean by that is we're starting another podcast by the name of What If. If you guys are uh, loyal Candair Nation members, then you would know in some of our earlier episodes, we did how many? Five episodes where we looked into different scenarios and Five twists on reality. Like we looked at what if Disney had never existed? We talked for an hour on that. What if Everybody. Santa Claus existed? <laughs> oh, yeah. What if it had been discovered he actually does exist? Mm. How it would change the world? What would the world be like without internet? Ooh, that was a good one, too. What would the world be like if magic really existed? A few of the things we were talking about there. So this show is going to be that uh, tenfold. We're really pumping it up. Pumping it up, yeah. Yeah, really excited for it. The content we've got uh, recorded thus far is really good. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm stoked so. about it. Good things happening, people. Good things happening. But until then, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Brett Weiss. Thanks for listening, everyone. And yet you keep trying. Scarlet! That's like your sixth try. You obviously don't have any talent. Have you thought of giving up? Maybe I should just try again. Maybe you should try listening to Canned Air Podcast. Well, at least now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Five, two, one. Bear with us, Brett. Hopefully you're as curious <laughs> as we are. Sure. We're sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Sultry Vixen's Hotline. Yeah, serious. <laughs> well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend, and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. 
A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.